That is in Detroit as Trump supporters yell, stop the count, as in stop the count of illegal votes. Buckle up, America. Welcome to the water cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody. Thanks for joining us. It's Thursday, November 5th, 2020. And you better grab a number two pencil and a pad of paper, because on today's show, we've got a lot of legal issues to sift through, as well as allegations all over the place regarding voter fraud. Ladies and gentlemen, the integrity of our election system hangs in the balance. In Detroit, how about this for election transparency? So much for watching voter counters actually count the votes. What in the world is going on? And that looks a little bit shady when they're putting up boards right in front of your face. And speaking of shady, we now have headline after headline about lawsuits everywhere. The Trump campaign has filed them in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Nevada, Georgia, and we're confident there are more to come. And how about Twitter? Uh, the censorship is everywhere. We'll get the censorship sign out before the show is over. Now, they're actually censoring news now from Twitter, and it's coming from the Trump campaign. This is insane. We're going to have more on that a little bit later. Nice bird. All right. But first, grab your pad and pencil, crayon, magic marker, whatever you like, because join us now as the manager of the Election Law Reform Initiative at the Heritage Foundation, Hans von Spakovsky. Hans, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Sure thing. Happy to be with you. Well, look, so much to discuss. Why don't we start with this 30,000 foot aerial view? Are are we descending into basically a legal crisis of electoral and, and really biblical proportions here? Well, we are potentially seeing a lot of litigation. The uh, Trump campaign has filed suit in at least three states. uh, And the issues in those are everything from the fact that they're not allowing legally qualified observers in to watch the process. And every every state has laws allowing that to be done. And those observers are are supposed to be able to see absolutely everything being done from people uh, uh, voting to the ballots being counted. But we also have uh, problems in Pennsylvania, for example, uh, and in Georgia, there's been a lawsuit also filed uh, over absentee ballots being received past the deadline set by state law. That's the lawsuit in Georgia. They had a witness saying that absentee ballots were being counted uh, that had been received after the deadline. The deadline in Georgia is the end of Election Day. Pennsylvania, we have a similar problem there. The uh, state Supreme Court extended the deadline for the receipt uh, of absentee ballots until well after the election, despite the fact that uh, they don't have the the power. Why exactly aren't they allowing legal observers in? And more more than that, why wasn't this kind of figured out by Republicans or the Trump campaign or or lawyers on that side beforehand? I mean, shouldn't this have all been set beforehand? Well, their state officials are, are defying the law. The, the law in every single state allows candidates to have observers, like I said, inside the process. And I am sure what happened was that the campaign was, was surprised that local officials are basically just defying the law and not allowing their observers in. I'm not sure what they could have done ahead of time other than what they did, which was to get their observers qualified to, to watch the process. Well, Hans, just so I'm I'm clear, because I'm not a lawyer for sure, let me just understand, if state officials are not allowing that to happen, that is illegal, is it not? I'm assuming that's illegal. It is illegal, yes. Okay. 
Listen, uh, speaking of illegal, uh, in Nevada, there is a lot, of a lot of, apparently a lot of shenanigans going on there. I want you to hear from Rick Grinnell with the Trump campaign. He talked in a press conference earlier today about what they see going on in Nevada, and then I want you to respond on the other side. Here he is. The Harry Reid machine recklessly threw ballots into the mail, and now we cannot check whether or not there are non-residents, which we have evidence, publicly available evidence, that you all in the media should be also looking at. It's publicly available information that non-residents have voted. There is a 30-day residency requirement in the state of Nevada. If you haven't been in the state for 30 days, it is illegal to vote. Reporters have a responsibility. The fact is we are filing this federal lawsuit to protect legal voters. It is unacceptable in this country to have illegal votes counted. And that is what's happening in the state of Nevada. Hans, what do you make of what he's saying there? Well, that's no surprise. Uh, there was a recent study done by the Public Interest Legal Foundation on Nevada, and they found not only non-residents uh, registered to vote there, they also found literally uh, thousands of individuals who apparently are registered at commercial addresses. That's illegal. You can't, you have to register where you live. And they actually did a video about it. They, they visited some of these registered addresses. And these are addresses where votes were cast from in the last two federal elections. Some of them are just vacant lots. Uh, others are pawn shops, casinos, et cetera. That raises a lot of questions about the integrity of the voting process in Nevada. Hans, there's so many different lawsuits out here, different states, different tactics, different ways to go about this. Is there one that has maybe the most uh, legal weight uh, behind or at least best chance potentially of advancing to the Supreme Court? And uh, is, is there one that you think has, ha has more significance than others? Yeah, I'd say it's probably the Pennsylvania case, because, again, you know, the state Supreme Court there extended the deadline, even though they don't have the legal authority to do it. They also, by the way, uh, told local officials that uh, they can't reject ballots, even if the signature on the absentee ballot doesn't match. I think that could end up before the Supreme Court. Um, it was already up there once uh, when there were only eight justices on the court. They refused to do anything about it. But now with nine justices, I think they might. And what they need to do is override what the state Supreme Court did, restore the state statute and basically say that no absentee ballots received after Election Day should be counted. So just so I understand, on the Pennsylvania case, are you saying it's a stronger right. legal case to make from a state's rights or a state legislator, legislature position? In other words, it wasn't done the proper way? Or is it about yes. these cured or, but okay, but or is it about these cured ballots and some of the tactics there that is, are being used? In, in other words, this unequal, uh, what's unequal protection, if you will. Well, they have a strong constitutional case, the reason being the Constitution gives state legislatures the power to determine the rules governing elections, including absentee ballots, not state court. So if the legislature wanted to make all these changes, they, they could do that. But the state courts can't do it. Um, and that's a big problem with what happened in, uh, in the state, besides the fact that it's just foolish policy to say, for example, that you can't reject absentee ballots when the signature doesn't match 
which is an indication of potential fraud. And my understanding is that that's taking place, let's say, I think it's Philadelphia County, but the point is it's not taking place, those cured ballots, not taking place all over the, the state. I mean, in other words, all those other counties aren't doing cured ballots, and that, that seems to be unequal there. Yeah, yeah, it is. And that brings up the problems expressed in the Bush v. Gore decision. Because remember, in that case back in 2000, in the, in the Florida uh, controversy, what the Supreme Court said was election officials have to apply the same rules the same standards throughout a state. You can't have rules in one county about what constitutes a vote that's different from what constitutes a vote in another county. So if that's what's going on in Pennsylvania, that is an equal protection problem under Bush v. Gore. Hans, if we didn't have all of this massive mail-in ballots uh, across the country, and I'm not just talking about states that are sending requests for mail-in ballots, but as we know, Nevada and some other states are actually saying, here, here's a ballot. We're just going to send you a ballot. would we not be, are we seeing something that we would not normally see, obviously, under normal circumstances? Yeah, I think so. I mean, absentee ballots are a real problem. They're more likely to be forged and stolen and, and to have problems with them. And uh, people are much better off voting in person. And as you know, we had an exponential increase in the use of absentee ballots this year. And that's one of the reasons we're having the kind of problems we are. Mm-hmm. So what's your prediction as we move forward? I mean, Donald Trump has spent half his life in court, if you will. I can't imagine that this is going to, I mean, everybody's looking as to what AP and others are going to project, who's going to win that. And I understand there's, right. there, there's a PR aspect to all of this. If, if Biden gets to 270, then clearly there's going to be a drumbeat scenario. But uh, my sense of it is, is that this is going all the way to the Supreme Court, is it not? Well, it potentially is, but it depends, you know. Uh, if we get the final outcomes in all of these states like Pennsylvania and elsewhere, and the margin of victory is very small, uh, yeah, we could end up in the court uh, arguing about whether ballots were uh, included and counted that should not have been because they didn't comply with state law. But that's only going to happen if we can, you can uncover significant problems in enough states to make a difference in the outcome of the presidential election. Any sense, as we wrap up here, any sense to, not to percentage-wise uh, game, game this out, but uh, do, does the Trump campaign have a decent shot here from a legal standpoint, or is it just is it 50-50? What's, what's your sense here? Well, I think from a legal standpoint, they have a very good case. But from a practical standpoint, they have a very tough job. Judges are extremely reluctant to overturn election results, plus you have so little time after an election to do the kind of investigation that are necessary to turn up evidence of wrongdoing. All right, Hans von Spakovsky, really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Sure, thanks for having me. All right, great insight. Uh, And that's pretty much the end of the show because you're not gonna hear any insight from me. Just kidding, back in a moment with fraud. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. 
Welcome back, everybody, to the water cooler. Uh, voter fraud and election 2020. You knew it was coming. We predicted it. Donald Trump predicted it. Lots of other people predicted it. Eric Eggers, our next guest, uh, predicted it as well. Uh, he's written a book about fraud and how Democrats are planning to steal the uh, next election. And boy, here he is, Eric Eggers. Uh, boy, that's a timely book. Good to see you, sir. Thanks, David. I'd say it's great to be here, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure that's exactly correct. Uh, unfortunately, the issues that you and I discussed, and I know you and the president and other people have been raising the concerns about election integrity, and I haven't seen a whole lot of the news in the last 48 hours to suggest that those concerns were unfounded. Well, what have you seen, Eric, in the last 48 hours that concerns you most? I mean, are there certain things on your, on your list, if you will, as to what you, uh, you want to talk about here, about what you've seen? Well, I think just the big picture of when you have a massive increase, as we've seen in absentee balloting or, or you know, ballots that are cast via the mail, which is proven to be, and even the New York Times has said, is the form of voting that's the most susceptible to fraud. And then you have court decisions in Pennsylvania that sort of change the rules of the game and allow for things like ballots without postmarks to potentially be counted, either received by Friday. Uh, when you've got instances like in Michigan, you've seen maybe reports of a guy that uh, allegedly died over 15 years ago, and then he's still requesting a ballot and casting a ballot. And that just speaks to the voter registration errors, right, on the rolls that we've seen and talked about. Mm-hmm. Supreme Court mm-hmm. cited statistics saying 24 million voter registrations are wrong in this country. So, you know, and, and we've said, hey, that is a systemic vulnerability that's potentially going to be exploited for fraud. And, uh, you know, those haven't been addressed. And I think that's why you see people asking tough questions about the integrity of the process right now. So are you 100 percent convinced that this is indeed covert and, and at times overt uh, voter fraud uh, by Democrats against this president? Well, I think one of the challenges, right, is once somebody becomes registered to vote and their ballot is cast, then it's impossible to separate what their ballot is from the ballots that were legally cast. I think, you know, we've all said, I think every legal vote should count and only legal votes should count. But when you've got states like Michigan and Pennsylvania with track record of documented fraud, and you've got elections officials in both those states that have presided over fraud, and if actually in some, in, you know, a elections judge in Philadelphia, an elections official in Detroit have been charged with voter fraud. Uh, you know, I think it's fair to ask hard questions about, uh, you know, how secure has this been? And then you take a look at some of the anomalies in the data in terms of the discrepancies between how many votes House candidates got versus how many votes the presidential candidates got. It, it warrants further analysis, and I think it's very early, but I, would not be, I wouldn't be surprised to see some tough outcomes once all the analysis has been done. So just so I understand, uh, one of the things that I understand that was happening overnight is about 100,000 ballots or so in Michigan and Detroit, or excuse me, Michigan and Wisconsin in the middle of the night just kind of showing up and popping up for Biden without one vote for Trump. That's what we're seeing, at least. I've seen those reports. I'm still, you know, I I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. I like to be charitable in my assumptions about things. Uh, I haven't seen a good explanation for that from any election officials in Detroit or any election officials in Michigan. Jocelyn Benson, the Michigan Secretary of State, somebody that we've talked about before, mm-hmm. who I think has made some questionable decisions. So, you know, I mean, the one thing I will say is that if there's a benefit to lawyers being involved, it's that these are exactly the types of outcomes and these are exactly the types of issues that they're there to litigate, right? Just to try to, I think, make mm-hmm. sure that the election outcome is as fair as possible. Eric, Eger- Eric Eggers, I- I'll get it right eventually, Eric. Hey, listen, great to see you. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks, David.
All right. You know we're going to have Eric back uh, before some time in December. We've got to. Madison, we got to get we got to get him back uh, for sure because he uh, he's good. Madison is our associate producer. She does a great job booking, by the way. Uh, I'm sorry. What was that? Uh, oh, anyhow, I'm just playing around. I got voices in my head. Hey, there's a couple of things I want to get to. The Trump campaign in Las Vegas today. We saw we heard from Rick Grinnell uh, earlier today. They're filing a federal lawsuit in Vegas. They're basically saying that there's all sorts of, of voting irregularities, that illegal votes are being uh, counted, all of that. I want you to listen to one of the Trump attorneys, just double-checking his name. Yeah, it's Adam Laxalt, uh, who also talked about dead people voting. Here he is. We warned that the Democrats changed this election system. They gave us mail-in ballots. And despite the fact that there are examples of thousands of ballots being mailed across this valley in trash cans, in apartment buildings, people getting as many as 18 ballots to their homes. We knew these, these rolls were unclean, and we were told that signatures would save us from all fraud. But to date, we still have not been able to observe these signatures or, or meaningfully challenge a single mail-in ballot out of hundreds of thousands of casts. We firmly believe that there are many voters in this group of mail-in people that are not proper voters. In the last many days, we have received reports of many irregularities across the valley. We, we believe that there are dead voters that have been counted. We are also confident that there are thousands of people whose votes have been counted that have moved out of Clark County in the during the pandemic this is where we're at folks let me give you the quote again we believe there are dead voters yeah so that's great so as you saw at the top of the show we showed you uh wonderful voter transparency by them boarding up uh headquarters in detroit where they're counting ballots and now we understand there are dead people voting look if you're a biden supporter are, are you really okay with this I mean, honestly, I mean, I guess the answer is, of course, you're OK with it because he could be the next president of the United States. But the truth of the matter is, does anybody really want all of these shenanigans going on? There's got to be a better way. I'm screaming now. I don't care. There's got to be a better way uh, to fix what has been happening here from mail-in balloting to massive mail-in balloting to voter fraud and irregularities. Anyhow, let me give you an example. OK, so I want you to meet William Bradley. Uh, and I've got the information right here. Let's pull this up. Uh, this is, uh, I don't know if you know, uh, he's kind of old. He's 118 years old. Uh, William Bradley voted via absentee ballot in Wayne County, Michigan. There's a tweet about it. Now, okay, a tweet. You say, wait a minute, it's a tweet. No, it's actually from the Secretary of State's office. So let's go to that next uh, uh, slide, if you will. Oh, there it is. Um, look at this. Hey, Wayne, William. Did I say William? Yeah, William Bradley. You're registered. You're registered to vote. You're 118 years old. You were born in 1902. You're dead, by the way. Uh, but you are registered to vote in Detroit, Wayne County. And now look at the left. Left-hand side, bottom left. Election date, 11-3-2020. Application received. Phenomenal. So his application has been received. And I got to tell you, that is impressive. To actually be dead and be able to vote. Talk about an absentee ballot. 
That's an absentee ballot. I mean, look, you're not going to, no one's going to beat that absentee ballot unless you're 120 and you're dead, which apparently there are some 120-year-olds dead as well. All right, back in a moment with the Latina vote. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, Boy, I tell you what, Latinos for Trump, what do you think of them? Uh, They showed up in spades. I mean, they were unbelievable, the turnout that Trump got with them, especially in Florida and really all over the country. I want to bring in uh, Sammy Rodriguez, uh, my good friend there at the National Hispanic Leadership Conference. Sammy, (laughs) you're saluting. You know, I'm going to salute you right back. Good to see you there, Sammy. Appreciate it. Great. Great to see you. Uh, listen, you got to have, I mean, you got to smile on your face because, I mean, what you guys did with the Latino vote, I mean, that is extremely impressive. Talk to me more about that. Yeah, it's truly amazing. And Florida, Texas, even across the country, um, 28% of Latinos collectively supported President Trump in 2016. My projections on various networks, uh, eight percentage points minimum, I even went eight minimum, that was the floor. And we did. 36, right now, 36% reported yesterday exit polling. We might even hit 38%. That's, that's a 10% increase. In Florida, over 50% of Cuban Americans supported uh, an agenda of pro-life, pro-religious liberty, and no to socialism. Mm-hmm. In Texas, we're seeing the same numbers. So let me tell you, David, here it is. The inevitable outcome, it looks like we're going to have a President Joe Biden. But the, the greatest outcome of this election may very well be that the Latino community in America now has a formal engagement ring on its finger from, the, from America's conservative movement. We're not married, but we're not flirting anymore. It's a big deal. It really is. The future elections, a complete repudiation of AOC, the extreme liberal agenda, a complete repudiation. So Latinos are not automatic Democrats. Absolutely not. It's a great day for the Latino community. Well, uh, Sammy, but you have a certain way with words, Sammy. I'm just going to give you that. Uh, I feel like you should break down. We got to play that Latinos for Trump. Should we? Should we do that? The Lat- that's that's our jam here on the show. The Latinos for Trump, uh, uh, that uh, ad, if you will. Uh, you've got to kind of break this down about what he's doing down there, not just in Florida, but just in all all across the country. You really have broken it down into the fact that this is a problem for Democrats because Trump has changed the game. Oh, no, totally. See, I have a different opinion regarding the, the outcome of this election. Let me explain. I believe conservatism won, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, conservatism succeeded. Now, you may say, but that's not what the outcome. Put the executive branch aside, the fact that we didn't lose the Senate, the fact that, we're, that we gained seats in the House, the fact that 49% of the country supported an agenda of no late-term abortion, religious liberty, uh, of no to socialism, and even Democrats repudiated socialism that that turned moderate in their platforms in certain states across America. So like Pennsylvania, my home state. So what we're looking at here is a firewall. David, listen carefully. The Latino electorate 
is America's vaccine against the virus of socialism. Hmm. That's what came out of this election. The Latino demographic is America's firewall against socialism, big government, secular totalitarianism, late-term abortion, uh, the, the, the perpetual lockdowns. So it's a new day indeed, and you're going to continue to see this. The Democrats have, a, have an issue, and I've been saying this for years. You've heard you me. Have, yeah. Now we're seeing the fruition of what I have been advising the Democrats to pivot back towards the middle, and they refuse. Two years from now, my prediction is that we're going to continue to see Latinos shift more and more towards a conservative agenda. Sammy, what you said there is a big deal because you're basically saying that they're going to lead the way on the charge against socialism, which is what many people have a concern about in this country of where it's going. That's Florida. Florida is the rise of the Latino community. Push. I mean, get serious, David. Venezuela, Bolivia, Cuba, Nicaragua. The Latino community says we, we lived there. Our parents lived there. Yeah. We experienced socialism firsthand. So absolutely not. To the AOC, hard left, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris agenda that, that endorses this government entitlement mentality and perpetuity, big government, I mean, a government on the, it's just ludicrous. And, and the, the, I, as people of faith, we're the most pro-life community, according to Pew Research, in America. Mm -hmm. So the Democrats' obsession with late-term abortion and even post-term abortion, the governor of Virginia, Latinos went absolutely not. So go, go ahead, do your due diligence, do your Google due diligence. Why did Latinos vote for Trump <laughs> in Florida and in Texas and across the country? Even in California, where I pastor. California, over 30% of Latinos supported yeah. President Trump in California. Why? Life, religious liberty, no to socialism. That's the Latino electorate agenda. Sammy, I love that. The Google due diligence. Do your Google due diligence. I can't even say that five times fast. All right. Now, look, earlier on, you said it looks like I'm paraphrasing. It sounded like you were saying it looks like we may have a President Biden. I mean, how concerned uh, you're obviously concerned. But do you, does Trump got a shot? Does it have a shot? I mean, what do you, are, you, are you? What's your deal? I'm, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I'm a math guy. Lehigh University grad here where I where my hometown Bethlehem. Yeah. The dumping of ballots in Wisconsin in the middle of the morning, where it all went for Biden. Come on. In, in Philadelphia, sure, you're about to find all, all, all of a sudden, out of the blue, we're about to discover 120,000 ballots. And by coincidence, all of them are for Biden. And not one of those ballots is for Trump. It, there is a level of, I just saw some legitimate, authentic picks from ballots that were tossed in, in California highways next to Los Angeles. That's being reported all over. Ladies and gentlemen, there is corruption in America's political system. That's the wake up call. It's unfortunate, but because of that, I do believe at the end of the day, um, we, we will see a different occupant unless there is this amazing miracle that takes place. Uh, we may see a different occupant in Pennsylvania Avenue. And you're not Sammy Rodriguez, you're Reverend Sammy Rodriguez. You know that God's on the throne no matter what. He is. He is on the throne. Let not your heart be troubled. I, and I also find a little bit of, of not a lot of shalom, poor shalom in, in Christ, but a little bit of peace horizontally on the fact that we that we kept the Senate, that somehow the good Lord permitted Amy Barrett to be elected or to be placed on the Supreme Court uh, prior to this election. So we have a firewall in the Supreme Court, a firewall in the Senate. 
So the, the ludicrous left agenda of abortion on demand and socialism cannot be yeah. implemented. Sammy Rodriguez, always great to see you. Stay safe there in Pennsylvania, my friend. Thank you, my friend. All right, that's wonderful. Pennsylvania and Sammy Rodriguez. Doesn't get any better than that, or does it? Latinos for Trump. You, you know that was coming. Can we get, do we have a little video too? I mean, I don't know if, we, I just hear, oh, there we go. I love this. Sammy, thanks. I love it. Back in a moment. I'm going somewhere. I don't know where I'm going. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. You know the name of the show is The Water Cooler with David Brody, but I think we need to change it. We need to say The Water Cooler with David Brody and Nick Ballacy because here comes Nick for the third straight day. Fourth straight day? I can't keep track. Uh, JustTheNews.com uh, reporter Nick Ballacy, senior reporter. Hey, Nick, good to have you back on the show. Great to be back, David. I can confirm that's not Pennsylvania behind you, um, but you got to tell me about uh, Pennsylvania because you've been there, and what's kind of the latest? What are you hearing? What's your, what's your sense? Yeah, I was on the ground speaking with voters just outside of Philadelphia on Election Day, stayed after Election Day uh, as the results came in. And yeah, I mean, they're still counting in Philadelphia. We don't know the results yet. And what we might see as the time goes on here is the president's lead there uh, closing and, and his margin uh, going away and Biden possibly overtaking his lead. Uh, be, just like Biden was able to do in, in Michigan and Wisconsin as the uh, cities report their vote totals. So all eyes are on Philadelphia right now and how that mail-in ballot vote count is going to turn out. Yeah, I can tell you, MAGA Nation is not going to be happy. I mean, Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania potentially slipping away. Uh, there's going to be a whole lot of consternation there, uh, more than consternation, maybe constipation, I should really say. Uh, hey, Nick, let me ask you about uh, uh, what the legal challenges there are in Pennsylvania, because the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, right? I mean, they, they gave the Trump campaign a bit of a boost today. They had a, a ruling go in their favor uh, to allow a, a Trump campaign officials to observe what's going on with the count in Philadelphia. Uh, but it looks like from what I'm seeing, uh, I'm seeing some updates that the a ruling was overturned. So we're not going to see the end of this. This is going to go on for days. I think there's going to be more legal challenges to come in these battleground states because it's just an unprecedented situation with the amount of mail-in ballots that came in because of the pandemic. And a lot of states adjusted their election laws to accommodate for the pandemic. But there's just so many issues that are coming to light now as the count uh, comes out. And the Trump campaign seems like they think there's a way for them to uh, continue uh, the the battle for finding out what's going on with the mail-in ballots and the integrity of the mail-in ballots. And, you know, because there's so many different rules in different states of how they process these ballots and yeah, what is a legal yeah. vote, the definition of a legal vote, kind of like what you guys touched upon in your uh, other segments. 
Right. Hey, Nick, let me uh, move to the Senate real quick. Obviously, you're on the Hill all the time. You're following what's going on up there. Uh, 50, it was 53-47 going into the election. What's your sense? you think Republicans keep control? It's still kind of dicey, but it, it does seem like it's leaning still towards uh, into Republican hands. Yes. It looks like they're going to be able to hold on uh, to the majority in the Senate. Uh, they were able to hold a lot of uh, important seats in key states that they, the post, a lot of the pollsters thought they might lose, but it looks like they're going to hold on to them. Like, for example, the main seat, uh, that was a big one that the GOP needed to keep the majority. So uh, we'll see what happens. As mm -hmm. you're seeing with the presidential race, some things could change. We don't know all the results yet of all the closest Senate races. So we're still tracking that as the numbers come in. So how's Nancy Pelosi doing up there on the Hill or in Chinatown, wherever she's at in San Francisco? I don't know where she is, but because uh, this was not a blue wave uh, in the House, uh, clearly. And, and I want you to talk a little bit about this, because uh, obviously all the projections were that the Democrats are going to keep the House, which they're going to. But the, the, the number of seats that they're going to potentially lose really uh, is, is a bit shocking. At least, at least the polls were saying something some, somewhat very different. Yeah, a lot of the polls that we were seeing before Election Day were predicting that they would pick up some seats. But they actually look like they're going to lose seats. So they'll keep the majority, like you said. But there are some seats that they lost. I, I counted so far, project, based on projections, about six seats that they had going into this election that they're going to lose, the Democrats, that is. So the the Republicans were actually able to uh, flip some seats. And even though they don't have the majority, I think there's some momentum uh, in the party uh, for, you know, areas that they may be able to, uh, you know, do some more work on the ground and flip in the um, uh, two years from now, before you know it, we'll be looking at the next election. Nick, I would think one of the stories you're going to be covering on the Hill as we move forward is this idea of a challenge potentially to Nancy Pelosi, or at least some grumbling up there. The fact that, you know, uh, this did not go well for, for, for her or the Democrats. That, what do you think? Yeah, this could go multiple ways. I think you could see a progressive challenger uh, to Pelosi mm. because I saw Ocasio-Cortez was tweeting about how the Democrats need to do a better job with the Latino vote, given what happened to Biden in Florida, with Trump picking up a lot of support among Cuban-Americans and winning Florida. So she's saying they need to do a better job. And she, so we may see more criticism coming out of the progressive wing of the party, but just the way the Democrats have handled the House and handled the presidential race. Maybe Pelosi could get a challenge from moderates as well. The, the um, Moderate Democrats are not happy that a stimulus package wasn't agreed to. The White House put out a lot of offers along the way, but Pelosi was holding out for that huge package over $2.2 trillion and nothing got done. Right. So the moderates are not happy either. So we could see some challenge from the moderate wing of the party and the progressive wing to Pelosi. Nick, less than a minute left. I'm curious, one last question about the Senate, because if, and I say if, all caps, 24 font. If it's a President Joe Biden, the Senate is kind of like the last stand there, right? That's a big deal as it relates to Republicans uh, avoid or helping in terms of making sure Biden doesn't pack the court. And there's a lot of different things that could go on if Republicans are there as kind of like the last stand. Yeah, the Democrats were hoping going into Election Day that if the 
White House went their way, so would the Senate. But if the projections are right and the Republicans are able to hold on to the Senate, that's definitely a major setback for the Biden-Harris agenda. They're going to have a difficult time getting through some of the more, um, you know, far further left policies that have been discussed uh, during the during the race. They're going to have a difficult time to get a lot of that done. I think there's a, definitely a setback there if the Republicans are able to keep the Senate. Nick Ballacy, great to see you. Uh, you. Listen, if you send us your Venmo uh, information, we'll, we'll just drop some money. And if you'll come on tomorrow, we'll figure it out. Don't worry. Let's make it five, five days. Well, let's do that. And I'm glad we just did that on an open mic. That's, that's exciting. Uh, all right. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Oh, goodness gracious. All right. Uh, what do we do on this show? I have no idea. Last sip is next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Time for the last sip. I don't know. Sometimes I drink from the... I, I do. I drink from it. Um, so this is what I think about 2020. I would totally like to censor this entire year. Uh, and if we can get a round of applause from everybody here on the set. And if, uh, I hear the control room. The control room is applauding. No one on the set. But I, I can confirm the control room is applauding this sentiment. By the way, speaking of this sentiment, how about Twitter? Uh, what they did. Can we roll some of this? Uh, Jason Miller from the campaign, the Trump campaign, put out this massive legal victory in Philadelphia just now. More to follow shortly. Um, so then this came. 31 minutes later, Twitter decided to say, uh, no, some or all of the content shared to this tweet is disputed. And my, what's disputed exactly? But wait, Jason Miller says, Something back to Twitter. I love this. This is like a play-by-play. Sorry, Twitter. Your attempts at censorship can't undo today's legal win. Big announcement coming on our press call. Anyhow, the bottom line is this. It's news. I mean, literally, Jason Miller is saying massive news is coming. Why do you do that, Twitter? That doesn't make any sense. Look, I'm not going to even say I understand why you're censoring uh, opinion. But now you're starting to censor news that makes absolutely no sense. And by the way, take a look at this. This is, uh, we've decided, I mean, instead of Twitter, it's got to be bitter. As in Joe Biden and the Democrats, I mean, are, are Twitter in cahoots with them? Okay, I say it, haha, sarcastic. But look, bitter. I think that should be the new Twitter handle. Or it wouldn't be a Twitter handle, it would be a new app on your phone. You could get bitter. <laughs> aren't we all <laughs> aren't we all bitter? Hey, I want that app. I've had that app for about 55 years, FYI. Uh, no, I haven't. That's not true. I'm not bitter, am I? Anyhow, that's a whole separate last sip. Uh, but that is the situation as it relates to being censored. I mean, this idea of Joe Biden and the Democrats and Twitter and big tech, all of them together. And I'm going to say the word. Can I say the word? Cahoots. Look, I'm not suggesting there's a, like a white bo- whiteboard, a blueprint of all of this, like, you know, Twitter and the Biden campaign and Democrats are all in a room going, hey, guys, OK, so like, here's the plan for today. I'm not saying it's that. OK, but at the same time, come on, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that Silicon Valley is liberal. Twitter is liberal. Facebook, 
all of them, it's out of control, and that's why you get bitter. And that means when you get bitter, as in Donald, you know, Biden and Twitter, then what happens is conservatives get bitter because they have been, wait for it, you know it's coming. They've been censored. Back in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. We're at the end of the show, but we saved the best for last. And that is a great transition over to Sophie Mann. Yes, thank you. Yes, you pay me later, okay? <laughs> Justthenews.com. Hi, yeah. how are you? Good, Sophie. How are you? So Wisconsin is known for what? Like cheese and what? Voter fraud, basically. Oh, well, I mean, at least one of those things. Um, we'll see what happens. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, we are knee-deep in, in these ballot-counting moments of this election. Um, Wisconsin right now, as of yesterday, Wednesday, has been called for Joe Biden Mm -hmm. um, by some media outlets, not by others. There's a little bit of contention in the air about Wisconsin, Arizona, Nevada, you know, the the states that nobody knows about yet. Um, But, uh, you know, on election night, we watched Wisconsin go from a pretty firm Trump lead with some of the vote in mm-hmm. to a Biden head by a, by a razor thin margin yeah. overnight. Those votes, about 20,000 of them, which is fewer than Trump won the state by in 2016, mm-hmm. um, are coming all from urban hubs, all from the Milwaukee area. Um, they were coming in a little bit later than some of the other counties. So mm-hmm. the Trump campaign basically wants to trigger a, um, a recount, which is is legally something that you can do in Wisconsin if the winner wins by less than 1%, which mm-hmm. in this case, it seems Joe Biden will, mm-hmm. um, you know, if things stay the way they are. In 2016, Jill Stein, a third-party candidate, triggered the same type of recount, which did not ultimately change the results of the election. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the Trump campaign is fighting and fighting, and it doesn't seem like they're going to let up. They filed lawsuits in a number of mm-hmm. states, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Wisconsin, Michigan, mm-hmm. um, and then pending you know, results in Georgia, North Carolina, and Arizona, perhaps those states as well as we enter you know, the uh, 36 to 48-hour range of, of this November 3rd election. Right. My goodness. I can't even keep track of it all. Yeah. Uh, we had Hans von Spakovsky. You try saying that three times fast, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, on earlier, and he was saying Pennsylvania might be an interesting case, uh, possibly a good legal case. But but clearly, this is this feels like it's it has Supreme Court written all over it. It certainly does. I mean, at this point, we're just seeing lawsuits in so many different places. There was speculation this would all really come down to Pennsylvania, and I mm-hmm. mean, to the extent that that was predicted, it doesn't quite seem like it's going to be that linchpin driver. Yeah. But instead, we're going to see just a, a smattering of lawsuits, perhaps in all fifty states, coming out of you know the Trump campaign. Interesting, Sophie. Thank you so much. Thank you. You just said smattering of lawsuits. By I the did. Way. That's very impressive. All right, tomorrow on the show we have a lot of folks. I, I don't exactly know who, but I'll figure it out uh, after this. I will say this: we do, do have Hercules on the show tomorrow. Kevin Sorbo. Are you kidding me? The actor Kevin Sorbo. I'm kind of geeking out. I'm going to get his autograph. See you tomorrow. Across California, school food professionals are using their skills to develop recipes that incorporate fresher ingredients and more scratch cooking. Learn how they're cooking up change at schoolfoodpros.org. Grant provided by California Community College's Chancellor's Office.